0: Hello listeners, this is Emily Antsnack, the voice of Julia Stonewash, and for this week's episode, we're going to do something a little different. For those of you who don't know, the majority of our cast and crew is based out of Texas, and we were directly impacted by the winter weather a few weeks ago. Everyone is doing fine and they are safe and healthy. Reasonably, we decided to take a break to recoup, and we will be back to our regular programming next week. Since I'm not personally in Texas, I'm based out of Washington D.C. Shout out to all our DMV area listeners. I'm hosting our Friends of the Podcast episode, where we'll feature shows from across the country that we've collaborated with in some capacity. This is a tribute to them, as well as a thank you. We've had the pleasure of working with them in a variety of ways. One was Michael's first comedy teacher, another we share best practices with. Our own Pilar, the voice of Peggy Breaker, designed the current logo of the Lunatics Radio Hour. A few have been featured as community beat specials, who we folded later into the cast, Some have shared our work with their own listeners, and others have had cast members of Jollyville on their show. We've included links to each of the different podcasts in the description. We hope you take some time to further enjoy their work. Happy listening.
1: Hi. I'm John, host of the podcast Fado, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. Join me each episode for a story along with commentary and interesting facts and details about its history, origins, and authorship. You never know where we're going to go next, but we'll have fun getting there. Now, starting this podcast has introduced me to a host of new friends, and when Jollyville Radio asked if I would participate in a Friends of Jollyville episode... I jumped at the chance. Almost immediately, I knew what I would contribute. It's a short poem by Lewis Carroll, the author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. This poem, or at least the first stanza, was printed in 1855 in a periodical Carroll produced for his family. It was included in its completed form 16 years later in the sequel to Alice's Adventures in Wonderland called Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There. Carroll's masterful combination of adventure and complete absurdity is evident in this poem, and certainly in his other works. Now, if you'd like to hear more about Lewis Carroll and his work, I'd recommend coming over to visit me at Fideau in the near future, and be sure to check out my catalog of back episodes. And now, brought to you by KJVR Jollyville Radio, and as published by Lewis Carroll in 1871... Jabberwocky Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe All mimsy were the borogoves and the momraths outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the mangsome foe he fought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood awhile in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock, with eyes of flame, came whiffling through the Tolji wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O oh, frabjous day, Kalu, kalay, he chortled in his joy. T'was brillig, and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wave. All mimsy were the borogoves, and the moan-wraths
2: Welcome to Countdown with Brothers Grimprov, where we improvise classic stories we all know and love. I'm Timothy Hearn, and I'm Matthew Hearn. On today's segment, we will be improvising Mulan. First in a minute, followed by 30 seconds, then 15 seconds, and finishing with five seconds. When will my reflection show? Mulan! I'm yeah. your dad, I gotta go to war. No, dad, don't go. I wanna go. No, I'm crippled, I'll probably die, but it's okay. But Dad, I You're want You're a you- woman. Okay, alright, I'll stay. I'm not gonna stay. I'm gonna have a montage where I steal his sword and I leave. why Mushu, <laughs> back from the dead. I'm gonna go help Mulan. All right, fine, go ahead. Hey, Mulan, wake up! It's time for training. Let's get down, down to business to, to defeat Shen Yu. Oh. So, uh, how, how many, many people does it take to send a message? Just one. <laughs> Oh Mulan, you're not a woman, you're you're not a man, you're a woman. I am a woman, but it's fine. I'm gonna it's save fine. the world. Okay. And uh, it's coming to Disney Plus, Plus. and premiere. <laughs> and then I slide down the things. You are now the Empress. What? Something. <laughs> okay. Alright, now Mulan in 30 seconds. When will my Mulan, I'm your dad, I gotta go to war. Show. I'm old, but I'm crippled. I'm, I'm gonna going, go die. I'm going instead. No, you're I'm a a cutting woman. my hair, oh. boom. Mushu, gonna help you. Yeah. Dison on you, dison on your cow, dison on your whole family. Okay, let's go to war. Let's get down Don't to do business. business. Shanyu! Oh. one. Oh no, you're a woman. What? I'm still gonna save the world because I'm the best. Mm-hmm. And I go up and I slide down. <laughs> and now guess what? Empress. Boom. All right, thirty seconds.
0: 30, 15. fifteen,
2: 15, 15 <laughs> let's do thirty seconds again. <laughs> All right, fifteen seconds. When will my reflection show? I'm your dad going to war, but I'm crippled. I'm going instead of you. Oh, Mushu, Get you. You. to on your cow. Let's get down to, to business. business, and we're hey, back at the Shun oh, you, shun you, shun you. You're a woman. Uh huh, uh-huh. I am a woman. But you I saved still us. win. All right, five seconds. Mm-hmm. Can we just say real quick, mm-hmm. Mulan? It was such a good movie. Growing up, mm-hmm. my favorite Disney princess movie to watch. Real good. Real good. Yeah. Okay, five seconds. <gasps> Wait, will my reflection show? Mushu. Mooshoo! You... Women save the day! Yeah, they do. This has been Countdown with Brothers professor I'm Matthew Hearn. I'm Timothy Hearn. And now back to our friends at Jollyville Radio. of jollyville radio bingo for the week of march 3rd 2021 nigel s in oakland california bob c and hazel berkeley in austin texas haiku kep in arlington texas george robinson in north carolina and ida w in los angeles to hear your name announced on jollyville radio play bingo with us at Jollyvilleproductions.com
3: bingo
4: This is Abby Brinker from the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. Today, I'm going to read a story that I wrote, a short story from my book, Horror Stories, which is a collection of creepy little tales. But today, I'm going to read a story called Sarah Jane and the Spider. Sarah Jane's legs were covered by black and white striped knee-high socks. She stopped suddenly just before her stoop. She noticed something new. A little piece of white thread was leading up the stairs. She picked it up and her eyes bulged slightly as they followed up the front stairs and under the front door. What a long and peculiar piece of thread, she thought. What could this be from? Slowly, Sarah Jane ascended the steps. She rolled the thin string back and forth between her thumb and her index finger. It was slightly larger than sewing thread, but daintier than string. It left a milky residue on her fingers. Its tacky substance shedding slightly as she moved it. As she was playing with the gluey fluid on her hand, a fly landed on her finger. She flicked it away and continued her pursuit. She was intrigued as she slid her key into the lock and pushed into the mudroom. Her cat usually met her here, but Simon wasn't waiting for her today. She dropped the keys onto the pile of bills and went to look for her pet. Simon! She kicked off her boots, still holding the thin thread in her right hand. Simon, where are you? She walked into her living room following the thin string snaking along the floor, but not touching it. Her gaze lifted up to the corner of her ceiling, and she gasped. A huge, furry spider hung upside down from a web it had spun. All of its eyes snapped onto her, and all of its legs seemed to quiver as she approached. The web reached out from the corner, draping itself across much of the ceiling and her staircase. Wrapped up in a white silk within the web was a squirmy Simon. Sarah Jane immediately stepped forward. She didn't know why she decided to speak to this giant spider, but something in her knew it would understand. "'Let him go right this instant!' "'I most certainly will not,' drawled the spider lazily. Sarah Jane jumped back. The spider did understand her, and it spoke. "'This is my home,' she went on, trying to maintain a sense of bravery and authority. She straightened her posture and tilted up her chin. "'You are not welcome here.' "'I am not a haunting.' The oversized insect went on, all of its eyes scanning her as it spoke. You cannot make me leave with your goodwill and stern words. He bobbed up and down as he talked. She felt like he was laughing at her. Simon let out a meek cry. If you let my cat go, I won't hurt you. Sarah Jane puffed up her chest as she spoke. But I'm hungry and I require food. The spider taunted her. I did all this work to make my web. Why should I just walk away from it? "'Because it's not your house,' Sarah Jane thought to herself. "'What if I bring you a suitable replacement meal?' "'She spoke through her gritted teeth, her frustration growing. "'Hmm, now that's interesting.' "'The spider thought it over for a second. "'That would be acceptable.' "'He tapped several legs excitedly as he spoke. "'Sarah Jane was hesitant to leave her precious Simon in the grips of a monster, "'but she marched out of the room with determination.' She would not stand for this intruder coming into her home and threatening her family. Sarah Jane hopped on her bike and rode furiously to the local store. She filled her bicycle's pink basket with several packages from Murph's Deli and Grocery. One package in particular was far too big for the basket and needed to be strapped to the back of her bike. She then cycled just as furiously back to her stoop. She stood in front of her quaint house and took a deep breath, mentally preparing for what she needed to do now. She heaved the large package off of her bike and onto the ground. It took a lot of effort from her slight frame. She thought of poor Simon confused and tangled in the web. It motivated her to work quickly. She unwrapped the brown paper packaging and instantly recoiled. A fully dead, fully grown pig was not a pleasant sight. She soldiered on. Carefully, she unwrapped a much smaller cylindrical package. An aerosol can filled with spider poison. She imagined it was just a standard bug killer, but she appreciated that the marketing team at the aerosol company had pinpointed her exact needs. She took out a big butcher knife from a plastic bag in her basket. She cut open the pig and paused. It was a crisp autumn day, and she was thankful for the scarf wrapped around her neck. She slid it up around her nose and mouth and resumed the process. Once the pig was splayed open, she filled its insides with spider killer. To finish things off, she took her newly purchased sewing kit, advertised as "'strong enough to fix even the stiffest leather jacket, "'and started to sew the pig back together. "'She remembered she was in public "'and quickly surveyed the street. "'No one was around except for old Mrs. Beggs, "'and she wasn't wearing her glasses,' Sarah Jane continued. "'A short moment later, "'she found herself standing in front of her nemesis. "'Her eyes darted to the web mass she knew was Simon. "'He wiggled in his cradle "'and a wave of relief washed over her. "'What have you brought me?' the trespassing spider asked its eyes shifting up and down as it examined her curiously. Quite the feast. Sarah Jane proudly pushed the pig carcass forward. Definitely too much for a small spider like you. This was a bit ironic considering this specific spider was big enough to kidnap her cat, but it also seemed unlikely that he'd be a match for a whole pig. I usually prefer my meals to be alive. The spider seemed unenthusiastic. This pig must be ten times the size of that cat. Sarah Jane took a breath after she spoke. She needed to remain calm, but if you're not up for the challenge. Sarah Jane bent down and pretended to pick up the pig, but instead she dropped it, letting the animal fall out of the wrapping paper. My, 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 that does look like a tasty treat. Sarah Jane wasn't sure if spiders had lips, or even tongues for that matter, but she swore she saw him lick his lips. Well, you know the deal, the cat in exchange for the pig, it seems more than fair. Sarah Jane kept her eyes on Simon. He let out a soft meow as if on cue. I will release your beloved creature if I am satisfied with this offering. Before Sarah Jane could protest, the spider was on top of the pig. It was a scene from a nightmare as he greedily sank his teeth into the poisoned pig, gnawing at its ears, its neck, and its stomach. Then it paused. Sarah Jane was worried it had tasted or smelled the poison. She considered diving for Simon and making a run for it but there was no need. The lazy, greedy, hungry, oversized spider interloper dropped to the floor, dead. Sarah Jane lunged towards the web, which was stickier than she thought it would be. There were moments when she became engulfed in white, gooey strands as she frantically worked to release Simon. Soon, though, he was free. She held him tightly for a moment before he hopped down and headed for his food bowl in the kitchen. Sarah Jane now looked at the carnage on her living room floor and thought that disposing of the body seemed more daunting than actually killing it. She rolled up her sleeves and took a deep breath before covering his body in the packaging from the pig. Sarah Jane brought the carcass out to the forest in the pink basket of her bike. She figured he'd want to be buried somewhere peaceful. Hope you enjoyed that story. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked that, you can check out Lunatics Radio Our podcast anywhere you listen. Goodbye. I double
1: L E at radio. And you can Google the show. Check out the website. Definitely make it funky.
2: Y'all J O double L Y V I double L E funny skits and jokes. And every episode wraps up with community B one more time. Say J O double
3: Hello listeners. I'm Bob. You may remember me as Harry Lachat from last week's episode, but I'm from other things too. I'm the host of Bob's Short Story Hour, a podcast that features readings of short stories from classic and contemporary literature. It not only provides fun stories from many genres and authors to the audience, but also gives up and coming independent writers a place to showcase their work where they may not have previously had one. I'm also one of the writers and host of Hidden Oaks, which is a serial horror suspense podcast featuring a monster, a magical forest, and the people affected by both in 1990s suburban Minnesota. Both my podcasts can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts, and thank you if you decide to check them out. But I'm not really here just to plug my podcasts. Michael Croser reached out to me and mentioned a slot of time I could fill on this week's episode if I had something to add. Initially, I had no good ideas on what I could contribute, but after giving it a little thought, those thoughts rambled into something that I thought might be worthwhile. Mostly what I wanted to do was call out and praise good deeds as a concept, and in general. I've seen a lot of amazing creative work and good being done by people in the last year. Jollyville Radio itself is one example of what I'm talking about. Creative projects that aim to spread good words and feelings to those who partake in them, and or to highlight the good deeds of others. One thing I've come to realize is that art in any form, stories, fiction, visual media, podcasts, songs, are in some way a kind of simulation for people to experience shared emotions or a new perspective or view on life and situations. They can often use it to work through past experiences or future ones. Through a message in a story or a song, someone's able to think of new ways to act when they encounter similar things in their own life, and it can be very helpful for them. For this reason, I place a high value on art, creative projects, and anything like all the wonderful endeavors I've seen people throw themselves into during the pandemic. Additionally, I mentioned good deeds. One thing I love is reading or hearing about glimmers of humanity that shine through, especially in times of crisis. We as individuals often do relatively selfless things for others, and we often discount them as small or don't even really think about them much at all. But I want to remind you, that these things we think of as small good deeds, or the creative work we put out that can be helpful for people, it's not small at all. It's not. It's big, and it matters. I'm going to suggest something to everyone listening. Several months ago, a special person in my life suggested to me that I discounted and criticized myself too much and didn't realize the impact of the things I did for others. So she challenged me to sit down at the end of every day and journal about the things that I did that day that had a positive impact on others around me. So I did. And I've been keeping that journal every day since June 12, 2020. A reminder in my phone tells me every night at 8 p.m. to sit down and write in the journal. I started noticing something very quickly, that when I deliberately sat down and thought about the little things I did that may have positively impacted people, I was more mindful of those things. I realized situations where my positive impact could have created ripples in the world around me to impact others that I didn't even come in contact with. I started to value these decisions and actions every day, and as I was being mindful of them, I noticed that I started to do them even more. So I'll summarize why what I'm about to say is important. Many times when a person throws themselves into creative work, There's a strong sense of personal identity that they attach to that work. Something that is also common in these endeavors is a lack of response to any of it. You might never hear anything from the people you share it with. And more common than good feedback, if there's feedback at all, is negative feedback about it. Sometimes little criticisms about how it could have been done better, etc. In a very similar vein, think about what I mentioned in how we internally frame those small good deeds we do. By discounting them like this, we're being our own critics, telling ourselves, yeah, it wasn't really a big deal. Well, it may not have seemed like much to you, but that phone call to a friend who may have been struggling more than you know may have turned their day or their week around. Or like our brothers and sisters in Austin, Texas, who recently may have done something like invite a friend who was without power, heat, and water, over to their apartment so they could take a shower and warm up for the first time in a week. It may have been no inconvenience to them, and they said it was no big deal. But to that person who hadn't had a shower or heat for a week, I bet it was a big deal. And it could have even been life-saving in some instances. So please take a moment to recognize your good deeds internally. They matter. They are worthy endeavors, and they're not small. I'm not suggesting you shout them out on the rooftops. This is for you internally. Stop discounting them. Being mindful of them will help them grow. And sincerely, I say thank you to everyone involved in creative endeavors who are spreading good works, education, history, entertainment, community involvement, and thank you to everyone who takes time when opportunities arise to do selfless things to help others. When I struggle with criticism, both internally or externally, about my actions or my creative works, I remind myself of the following quote from one of my biggest heroes, and I'm going to leave you with those words. The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer. There are many men who feel a kind of twisted pride in cynicism. There are many who confine themselves to criticism of the way others do what they themselves dare not even attempt. There is no more unhealthy being, no one less worthy of respect, than the one who either really holds or feigns to hold an attitude of sneering disbelief toward all that is great and lofty, whether in achievement or in that noble effort which, even if it fails, comes to second achievement. It is not the critic who counts. who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends themselves in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if they fail, at least fail while daring greatly, so that their place shall never be with those cold and timid souls, who neither know victory nor defeat."